So the first episode of Give Them Health is on the books. I couldn't be any more excited about that than I am right now, and I hope you enjoy listening to it. I uh, just wanted to address one thing. We did have some technical difficulties, some technical issues, and uh, that's because I decided to do this online. Uh, believe it or not, sometimes the internet doesn't work like you want it to, and uh, this was one of those times. But I think we roll with it pretty well. You'll know the times that I'm talking about when you get to them. Um, and I just wanted to leave them in there because, you know, I want this to be organic. I don't want to do really any editing once we're done recording, not because I'm lazy, just because I, I think it... I think it adds to a certain feel. But without further ado, uh, thank you so much for listening, and this is Give Them Health. So hello, this is Give Them Health. Uh, my name is Austin Parker. I uh, just want to go ahead and uh, kind of introduce this podcast since this is the first ever episode. Um, Give Them Health is going to be a podcast that has kind of two separate goals. Uh, the first goal being to uh, just cover topics that are, you know, kind of uh, related to general health and fitness, um, just kind of for the general population. Uh, you know, basically just things that kind of everybody can implement in their own life. Um, you know, hopefully some interesting things that, you know, you'll be into. Um, and the second part of it, is to actually give health professionals like personal trainers, that kind of thing, uh, tools to, you know, better their own uh, practice, whatever they're, what is it, whatever it is that they're doing, and also, you know, aspiring uh, health professionals like, you know, if you've thought about maybe going into something like personal training, uh, this will give you some tools to, you know, kind of help you along your journey. So, um, yeah, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I, you know, I've I've been a lifelong kind of health enthusiast. Um, you know, I also, you know, pretty much health and music are my two, you know, big interests in life, my passions. Um, I haven't really, you know, like as far as formal schooling, uh, I just recently kind of decided to make that jump into, uh, you know, getting into personal training and uh, got certified just a couple of months ago. So point being, I'm no expert. Um, you know, I won't even pretend to be, but I'm here to learn. And I, you know, the guests that I have on will definitely know a little bit more about this than I do. So I'm a white belt uh, and I'm, I'll be talking to a bunch of black belts. So um, that, that being said, um, my first guest, his name is uh, Daniel Heil. We've actually uh, had several discussions in the past uh, related to personal training. Um, <clears throat> he has a wealth of knowledge. He's got a, he's got a um, study guide out that has helped a ton of people uh, prepare for the personal trainer certification and um you know he continues to do a lot of work uh you know like making blog posts and uh you know being active in the community um but yeah i'll, I'll let daniel kind of talk about a little bit about what he's got going on currently um you know maybe t- talk about a little bit more of his background and um we'll just get moving that way sounds good man how's it going austin i appreciate you having me on this first episode thank you man pretty cool to be a part of the, the launch here with you yeah, and as far as uh, experts, man, even people that are experts are still have a ton of things to learn. Like the more you learn, the more you realize there is to learn. So, if you're a white belt, I probably put myself at a blue belt. I'm not much up there <laughs> higher than you are. So, there's there's so much to learn. I learn new stuff every day, you know, in this field. So, um, yeah, a little about myself. I started a company a few years ago called CPT Prep. It's basically a personal trainer preparation company and 
our primary thing that we put out is study guides that basically highlight the key information you need to pass the leading personal trainer exams. So we have an, a guide for ACE, ACSM, NASM, and then we also have guides for some specialty certifications. Um, some people like to go with the strength and conditioning, more of like an athletic training approach. So there's a guide out there called CSCS, which stands for Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. And that certification, you actually have to have a four-year degree, you know, bachelor's degree in exercise science. And it's really like a career. Sorry, it looks like we lost Daniel here for a second. Versus just personal training, the general population. Yeah. Hey, Daniel, uh, sorry to interrupt you, man. Uh, it looks like you dropped out there just for a second. Uh, I heard up to uh, CSCS. Okay. And, and then, yeah, it just kind of lost. Yeah, hopefully we don't drop out again there. Um, hopefully not. <laughs> if, yeah, if you can hear me now, uh, CSCS is just a certification for Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. And that's a little more involved than the regular personal trainer exams. It's more for people who want to train athletes. You have to have a four-year degree in exercise science. And then you can, once you get that certification, it kind of opens the door for you to train with teams or just more of an athletic pursuit. And then I'm also currently working on a certification for ACE Group Fitness exam. And then there's a ton of other specialty certifications that they have, nutrition specialist, health coach, and the list goes on. So that's kind of where we're at. And um, my whole thing when I started the company, I was a personal trainer a few years ago and was studying to take my first exam for American Council on Exercise. And... Uh, I went through the process, read the book, and as you know, Austin, because you just did this yourself, when you get the information, the 800-page manual, you feel pretty overwhelmed at first. There's a lot of information to retain, and it's just like once you start getting into it, you're like, man, this is a lot of stuff to remember. So, Totally true. Yeah, so basically between our study guides and then our blog posts that we write, uh, it kind of condenses that overwhelm and helps you focus on certain areas and gives you better way to retain and learn the information. So it's kind of what it's all cool. about. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like, you know, we might have a little bit of technical, uh, you know, issues here with this, but still, I think, you know, like it, it, I can hear you well enough and consistently enough to where, you know, we can, we can keep on uh, giving this a try. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean, I, I am very appreciative that, that you're taking the time to do this. Um, I think, you know, the key to all of this, you know, I, I think that the biggest way that we're going to, you know, improve health in this country is, you know, providing people that are that are passionate about health, the tools to spread, you know, accurate and current information about health. And, you know, I think that as far as the, you know, the health community goes, um, you know, just encouraging people to take that step, you know, get certified. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's a major role in, uh, you know, in, in improving the health in this country that, you know, I think we can all agree that, it, that it can improve. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I'm just very appreciative that you took the time to do this and, um, and yeah, I mean, uh, I think that gives a good little background of, you know, where you came from. Um, so I'll just, I'll just kind of jump into the, you know, the general health. Uh, portion here and um, you know I you know my idea to kind of get this whole thing started um, you know I think there's a lot of a lot of myths about exercise and um, so I just kind of wanted to address those um, 
you know, and, and definitely Daniel, like, you know, if there's anything you want to add, you know, feel free to do it. Um, you know, I, I did, I did, you know, do my research on these, but that doesn't mean I know everything about these topics. So. Yeah. I'm sure between both of us, there's still things that we, we have to learn. So we can throw some stuff out there and give some people some things to, to look up and hopefully share some insight with them. So. Cool, man. So yeah, the, yeah, the first one, um, is exercise wears down your joints. And, um, this is something that, you know, I think it's definitely my excuse on why I don't run, but, um, it turns out actually that that one is false. Um, exercise, you know, it compresses your joints and it actually forces more nutrient rich fluid into the cartilage. So in effect, exercise strengthens your joints and relieves pain from arthritis. So if you do have arthritis, you know, getting out there and doing some exercise, you know, might actually not only temporarily, temporarily relieve the pain, but it might strengthen your joy, joints and help in the long term, which I thought was pretty interesting because I've always, you know, I've always heard about like runner's knees and that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it, it's I, w- I still wouldn't say that you should do like really high impact stuff, especially if you have something like arthritis. I mean, it probably will inflame it. But I think this is more talking about like low impact, you know like type stuff. Um, Definitely. I think that, um, yeah, obviously if you have a knee injury or you're recovering from something with your knee, you don't want to be doing box jumps and plyometrics right off the bat, but definitely that is definitely true that your joints get stronger when you put load on your body and your joints also work a lot better when you take them through a full range of motion. So if you ever had, I'm just getting over a separated shoulder that I had it's been going on six months now on and off, Ooh, but if you just put it in a sling and leave it there, it's not going to get any better. Like initially, yeah, you want to take it easy, but if you just leave it immobile, it's going to make it worse. So once you actually have the ability, that's what physical therapy is for when they, you know, people are coming back from injuries, they're taking their joints through full range of motion and doing rotator cuff exercises. And I got the TheraBands and I've been doing all that stuff with my shoulder, trying to come back from it. And it, it's feeling a lot stronger than it did even before. So it's definitely true. You, uh, how'd, what's up? So, uh, how'd you, uh, how'd you separate your shoulder? If you don't mind uh, me asking. Pretty much being a knucklehead. I was, uh, I just started jujitsu as you know, back in like six months ago now. And, uh, right, right. it was, I came back from California. So I was like jet lagged a little bit and just went in and trained anyway that night. And I already kind of felt off. And it ended up being a super hard training day. We were doing a no-gi class. And at the end of class, when everybody's all sweaty and everybody's exhausted anyway, we were doing armbar escapes. So we were starting basically in a full armbar and then trying to get out of it. And after doing that about a dozen times, uh, shoulder got pretty jacked up. So I think that's what initially did it. And then after that, I didn't give it proper rest. I waited just like a couple weeks and went back and kept training. So it's partly my fault for being a little bit of a knucklehead, but... Once I actually got it checked out and started doing the rotator cuff and the TheraBand, it's felt a lot better. You know, I'm, a lot of times when you get injured, you get like discouraged or you feel like, oh, I can't do this or can't do that. But in reality, it really opens up a new window for you to, to learn and learn how to fix your body and work on things. So I've actually learned a lot from injuring myself and I've been doing new things that I didn't do before. I started swimming and just doing different stuff. So it's... uh pretty cool. Yeah. And that's a, and that, and that's a, that's a great point. I mean, you know, like, uh, going from, you know, high impact, like, you know, jujitsu to, um, you know, like then kind of strengthening it with swimming, you know, that's more of low impact. So, 
Um, Definitely, yeah. Jiu-jitsu turns your body into a ball. You get all bound up and tight. It's similar to like weightlifting, um, especially at first when you're a white belt and you don't know what you're doing. You're kind of spastic and you're, you're using too much strength and you don't have the skill yet. But um, yeah, so swimming, I think swimming and yoga, they're great things to do. Like if you're somebody that hits the weights hard like guys, I think you definitely have to have something to counteract that because you don't just want to keep hitting your body and having everything tight and stiff. So if you're hitting the weights hard or you do something like jujitsu or something high impact, you should definitely mix in yoga or swimming because that's the kind of thing that still keeps you strong, but it like lengthens and strengthens your body. It keeps you aligned as well. So it okay, kind of gives some good balance. Well, cool. Yeah, no, um, that's cool. So I just, yeah, side, side not to get like derailed here, but have you? Yeah, we did get kind of derailed. Yeah, back to the joint thing. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was about to derail us further, actually. Um, yeah. But, uh, so uh, just real quick, I mean, like, you know, you don't have to go into detail with this, but I've heard, you know, fr- just from listening to people talk about jujitsu, that there's like a tension between like gi or no gi. Like, have you heard anyone talk about like down talk one or the other, like being involved with it or? Yeah. I mean, there's still people that prefer one or the other. Like if you get all the 10th planet guys, Eddie Bravo, like they hardly ever get in gis and they're. And you got Donaher, John Donaher's guys that go for uh, leg locks and there a lot of no-gi. And it also, no-gi probably transitions better to people who are MMA fighters. But there's benefits to both. Like the school that I go to has gi classes throughout the week and no-gi. So it's not as like split down the middle like it used to be. Like people usually train both, especially nowadays at school. So right. I would say the no-gi is probably faster paced it's more offensive you're just going under hooks over hooks you know just gripping body parts you can't really you don't have as much stuff to grab and control and then the gi is a lot slower paced it's more defensive you have collar grips and sleeve grips and it's a lot more controlled and pressure so right on yeah so like i mean just just to clarify you know anyone that's listening that isn't familiar with that term uh, is the gi is just basically like a the um the uniform I, I can't think of a better word like that yeah that, it looks like know, a karate like a karate gi or something but it's not karate it's it's grappling so it's like jujitsu for anybody that doesn't know it's it's basically a grappling art it's similar to wrestling but there's submissions involved as well and there's two different forms no gi and gi so the gi you just basically have like looks like a karate uniform and you grapple with that and there's loop chokes and all kinds of different things you can do with the gi that you can't right on Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, so then that uh, brings me to the second myth. Um, and this one I think is is uh, is pretty entertaining. I don't know why. But um, exercise uses up energy I could be using for other things. And, um, you know, uh, I believe I've heard that, you know, our, our current president uh, kind of uses that as an excuse why he doesn't work out, which I think is just funny. You know, like a lot of people do. I think it's a pretty common thing. Um, but um, that one actually is false. I mean, not, it wasn't very surprising to me, but just to clarify, actually, um, there, there was a study done at the university of Georgia that, uh, basically found out that otherwise healthy adults that engaged in as little as 20 minutes of low to moderate aerobic exercise three days a week for six consecutive weeks reported feeling less fatigue and more energized. And, um, so, you know, it can it can seem like you know you 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 feel tired at the end of the day. You're like, man, I I don't feel like I don't feel like that I you know even have the energy to work out. 
um, when, you know, like really, you know, if you get in the habit, you'll have more energy throughout the day and, you know, probably be able to do the things that, you know, you want to do, uh, with a little more focus and, and energy than the normal. If you do take that, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to, to work out. Yeah, so. I a hundred percent agree. And, um, a lot of it is momentum. I feel like with people, if, if you're used to not working out or you haven't worked out in a long time, it's hard to kind of get that ball rolling to even start. And you, and you do feel really tired and you might be eating bad as well. So it just compounds and that you feel like, oh man, I don't have the energy to do it. But if you just push through those first couple of weeks of feeling like you don't have energy, then that's when you get the benefits and you'll feel the energy difference. Your, your body's working, you know, recovering. And then also when you work out, you sleep better. So it just, it just, it helps your entire system. I feel like our bodies, like, especially nowadays where we're in cars a lot, we're in offices, we don't move and you have to move for your body to, to work properly and your mind as well. You, um, you know, I feel like it's just really beneficial. And a lot of people think of working out, like they have to go to complete failure and just drive themselves into the ground where they can't walk the next day, like hurting going upstairs. But like you said, just 20, 20, 30 minutes of light to moderate is, is good to get something going. And you, you'll see a lot of benefits Absolutely. from it. Absolutely. Yeah. And what you said about like, you know, some people feel like they need to, you know, push themselves till they're absolutely like dying. I mean, that unfortunately is, is, is like me whenever, whenever I'm, I'm thinking of working out, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm not thinking of like, Oh, just a quick workout. I'm thinking, you know, hour long, you know, just grueling workout. And sometimes that does deter, deter me from hitting the gym. So it's good that you brought that up. Yeah, definitely. It's, you don't always have to be crushing yourself. I know a lot of guys have that mentality, but there's a lot of science actually now that, that is backing this, that a lot of people, especially like fighters and high level athletes, they're not going to failure. They're, they're training, but most people don't have the time to do this, but they're training multiple times a day, but not to failure. So they're like slowly building up their base and their strength, but they still feel fresh enough to go again the next day. You know, obviously if you're doing deadlifts or something heavy, you're not going to hit the, that again for a couple of days, but you can still do other things the following day stay in pretty good shape so very cool very true um all right so the the third myth that i have here um actually i had never heard before um you know i had uh, asked around and uh and my dad actually brought this up you know like i was asking around if anyone had heard you know like there's any myths that you know my family had heard that uh that you know might be cool to address and this is one that he brought up never heard it but uh it's exercise prevents baldness have you ever heard that? <laughs> no, I haven't. Yeah. But I'm sure a lot of people would be interested if that was the case. Yeah. <laughs> Checking it out. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, and, you know, like I kind of, I, I thought, you know, that that just sounds bogus, you know. Um, but I, actually, when I looked it up, um, it's, it's true. Um, not in the way that I think most of us are, are uh, you know, are thinking about it, but um Actually, you know, the information I found was exercise can prevent hair loss by boosting your overall health and circulation. So basically, the better health that you're in, the less you're going to lose hair. Now, this, um, you know, this th that being said, if you're exercising to excess, uh, chronic stress can cause, and I should have looked up the uh, pronunciation of this before I got on this podcast, but I'm going to do my best, telogen uh, effluvium, effluvium, 
or TE, which is a condition that causes hair loss. So if you're constantly putting your body under stress, then you're going to, you could, you could actually cause hair loss, but you know, a moderate amount of exercise actually will, you know, improve your circulation and, you know, keep you from losing hair. So I thought that was kind of cool. No, that is pretty cool. It, uh, I, I've never heard that, but it makes sense. I mean, stress on the body, exercise reduces stress. It actually gives you a little bit of stress at first, but then your body's reaction to it is, is a benefit. So stresses your muscles and stresses your cardiovascular system. But when your muscles break down, then it, your body responds to that, goes and starts repairing things. So right on. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Um, this, uh, so this next one, um, <clears throat> is uh is one that you know i actually had a childhood friend that um that lost his dad at a pretty early age um he was he was exercising he was uh swimming laps and uh you know he was i think i think his dad was like 39 when this happened and um just all of a sudden had a heart attack and um so i've always kind of you know had that in my head that like you know exercise can cause a heart attack so that's the fourth you know myth here um and what i found from uh, Harvard Health, they actually did a uh, study on this. Um, it's I, I put it's kind of true, <laughs> which I mean is not an official you know way to say that. But um, so what I found is basically exercise is the number one way to prevent heart disease. But if you're going to have a heart related event, it's more likely to happen while you're exercising than when you're not. And um, so I mean. Not a lot of surprising stuff there, but then I also found um, that I think it was in that same that same article they referenced a study that found that doing heavy exercise while angry actually more than triples your risk for a heart attack, which I thought was pretty interesting. Wow, that is interesting, and I guess it all makes sense because we're just full of hormones. So if you're already angry, your cortisol level is going to be up, and then if you're exercising, exercise also raises cortisol. I'm sure your blood pressure is through the roof too. So that's probably right. not good if you already have something going on, you know, with your heart. Yeah. I mean, it's really, you know, it's, it's never good really to be angry, but you know, if you're going to be angry, don't exercise, I guess is the point of that. <laughs> yeah. I've also heard, and I don't know if this is true, that heart attacks can happen more often if you exercise early in the morning, but I don't, I don't know if that's a true statistic or if I just heard it randomly somewhere, but honestly, I, anybody that's looking to exercise or get into exercise, that's, that should be the least of your worries is worried about a heart attack. Like all of our time is going to come eventually, but using that as an excuse not to exercise is not a good one because the, the benefits far, far outweigh the risk. Right. And, uh, yeah, and that is true. And it, I'll try to find, um, you know, I'll try to find that uh, that info that that you just brought up about the um, about you know working out in the morning and see if see if I can find a confirmation on that or not. And um, I'll actually post that in the in the notes for this. Um, I'll, I'll I'll try to try to okay. get that. So, um, oh, and by the way, all of this info I'll post all of the the resources that. Um, that I use to find this information on there. So you can, you know, look into it yourself, either if you're skeptical or you just want to, you know, pass the information along to your friends, it'll all be there. So, um, sounds yeah. good. That's super helpful. The podcast I listen to that have the show notes of while I'm listening, you can jot down a couple of things that if you're interested in them and then go back on them later and do, do your own research. And I suggest anybody listening, do that at, 
just in general as well. If you hear something on a podcast or see an article or something and it's don't just read the headline if you if you're interested in it do a dig a little deeper and do the research and you'll find out you know the truth of what's going on so absolutely yeah and and uh you know that's i think that's why these long form discussions are are so important with you know like educating people giving people information because you can really dive into a topic you know you you aren't just reading a headline and you know, getting, getting kind of mixed mismatched information, because I mean, you know, just, you know, just from my background in marketing, I mean, you know, to get someone to click on something, you're going to put the most extreme form of whatever it is you're talking about in the headline. And that might, that might not, you know, be a good indicator of what the actual, you know, the nuanced facts are, you know? Exactly. Yep. It's a lot more complicated than that usually. Yeah. The people's attention spans are really short nowadays with social media and just the word constantly inundated with information. It's overload. So that clickbait type stuff or things that like catch your attention, that's what everybody's trying to do, you know, something that capture yeah. your attention. But a lot of it doesn't go beyond the surface of like a, a few seconds most of the time, you know, of grabbing yeah, your attention, is... then you're on to something else. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so this next one, um, yeah, and I'm actually, I'm really, I'm really interested to hear your input on this. Um, so, uh, the next one is exercise on an empty stomach burns more fat, which, oh, so what would you say? What would you say that that's an accurate thing or no? You know, I honestly don't know the science behind it. I know that I do that sometimes. Um, I'll wake up in the morning you know, in a fasted state and do sprint intervals sometimes or I'll wake up and sometimes I've been messing around after hearing, hearing Rhonda Patrick talk about it with the intermittent fasting where you basically eat within a six to eight hour window and then you fast for the other 16 or whatever you're doing. And um, I, I don't know if it's just anecdotal or placebo, but I did that for a few weeks and one of the things she said benefits from it were your cardio increased a little bit. And I noticed in jujitsu when I was going through that phase that I had a little bit more gas tank. But as far as burning fat, I'm not. I've heard conflicting things on it, so I'm not real sure. Yeah, and and that's actually yeah, it's 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 kind of conflicting. I mean, you know, obviously you're burning calories, which uh, you know is you know you burn fat and uh, you know muscles, carbs while you're doing that. So you know you could look at that as. Um, you know, that you're moving toward your goal, but, but actually from everything that I read, uh, that's not the best way to burn fat. It is a way, but not the best way. Um, because it, if you exercise in a fasted state, it can stress the body and cause release of more cortisol, which can cause you to start breaking down muscle for fuel. Um, and also you can hit a wall where you're unable to maintain like the same intensity of exercise. And, um, whenever you're talking about burning fat intensity is really important because the more intense that you work out, uh, the more fat that you'll burn, not only during the workout, but in like 72 hours after the workout, you continue to burn the fat. So if you're not, you know, if you're sacrificing intensity just to, you know, work out in a fast, it's not really, it's not really doing any favors and you could be breaking down muscle. That's what I read in this article. That's uh, at men's journal. Um, it was actually pretty interesting. Uh, and so like, if, uh, if that's, you know, if that interests you definitely, uh, you know, check that out in the notes. Um, yeah, I'd like to read that as well. I'll definitely check that out. 
I think too yeah. that uh, getting your body to burn fat, it, it's kind of a lot of people still think that if you eat fat, it's going to make you fat. Like people get scared of fat. And I mean, not so much nowadays because there's a lot more information out of there. But for a while, there was like zero fat yogurt, zero fat everything, but it had a ton of sugar. But if you're always giving your body sugar, and for those that don't know, carbohydrates turn into sugar when you eat them as well. So any kind of pastas, breads, even wheat, all that stuff when you eat it turns into glucose in your body. And glucose is basically blood sugar. So if you're constantly feeding your body sugar throughout the day, it's never going to get a chance to burn the fat because glucose is the primary source of energy for our body, especially our brain. So you have to get your body to adapt to be a, a good fat burner as well. So if you're good at burning both, then your body can burn through it. But once you get your body into a fat burning state, when you do go without and your glucose is low, you can tap into your own body fat as a source of energy. So Right on. So it's like, it's kind of, you know, with, uh, with the ketogenic diet kind of, you know, booming in popularity that kind of goes along with all of that. You know, if you, um, that's, that's one. Yeah, that's exactly what that does. Yeah. It, the keto diet just, you basically starve your body of all glucose. So it, it's forced to start using fat for energy. Right on. Is there any that's other, that's like, what the keto does. It, so, I mean, well, the, so we know that like the keto diet is one way to approach that. Are, are there any other like, um, dieting tips that you know you would say um would maybe be a less extreme version of that i mean obviously you know trying to avoid carbs but um it, you know is there anything that that you kind of uh, any tools that you give your clients to kind of um you know help them along that journey yeah see nutrition and what people consume and diets is such a it varies so much because it can vary person to person some people can just naturally genetically burn carbs better than others so they can eat more carbs or they might be doing a lot more activity than another person so they can have more carbs in it than somebody else with different genetics but i think that keto diet and all these even fast the time restricted eating all that stuff is a good way if you want to get a boost if you just seem like a jolt like okay i want to change drop some weight you can do it initially drop some weight but I think for most people, and this is not everybody, but I think for most people, it's very hard to sustain any kind of those diets that just eliminate food groups. Right, so if, right. Yeah, so for me, I mean, the way that it's worked well for me, I do eat a lot of fat throughout the day. I still do, you know, I put coconut oil in my coffee sometimes, and I'm always eating like walnuts and avocados and just trying to get healthy sources of fat. But I also do, like, especially if I'm going to be training hard, I'll do a big breakfast bowl. It's a guy, Mike Dolce, he's weight cutting guy for the UFC people, but he has this thing breakfast bowl and it's basically just oat bran or oatmeal, cook it on a stove. You put chia seeds, flax seeds, some cinnamon, put some frozen fruit in there. So it's a lot of carbs, but it's clean carbs. Your body can kind of burn through it. So if I'm going to have a big training day, I'll eat that and kind of just be smart about it. I think if people are trying to drop weight, a lot of it is timing. So eating carbs after a workout or, you know, not late at night might be beneficial, but I mean, there's like so many ways to do it, you know, as far as right. dropping your body weight. But I think just being smart, moderation, getting good sleep, drinking a lot of water and eating whole foods, just eating mostly healthy stuff. 
Like one bad meal is not going to make you fat and one good meal is not going to make you skinny. And even doing like a two-week keto thing, you might drop weight initially, but if you go back or revert, you're going to put that weight back on. So that's, dude, that's so true. And like, that's, that's kind of, you know, um, you know, cause my friends ask me, you know, about keto a lot and, um, you know, I try to, you know, I, I pretty much say exactly what you just said. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's all about sustainability, you know, like, um, if you can, uh, if you can maintain, uh, like not, not a lot of people can maintain that keto diet for long lengths of time. And, and like you said, they'll revert. And if they don't have like a less intense plan in place, you know, like they'll just go right back to eating, you know, pizza and nachos and yeah, I mean, not that anything's wrong with that. I love both of those things, but, um, you know, uh, but yeah. Yeah. If you're going to have that kind of stuff, you want to be able to enjoy it too. I got young kids. So, you know, we have night pizza night, we eat pizza, we get ice cream. So it's just, if you just moderate, if you're not doing that all the time, then your body's not going to adapt to that kind of food you're eating. So I try to eat good, you know, 85, 90% of the time. And the other time I just enjoy, you know, right. have a dessert here or there, have a slice of pizza. Yeah. And I would say since you're doing show notes too, uh, if anybody is interested in trying any of this stuff or wants to know more about nutrition, because I know I'm not a nutrition specialist and I'm sure Austin knows some stuff, but there's tons of good people online right now that have scientifically backed information on any kind of diet you want to know. So ketogenic, you could look up Dom Diagostino, you can look up Rhonda Patrick, Mark Sisson. There's a ton of great people that have anything you need to know about that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, and and I love uh, I love listening to Rhonda, Rhonda Patrick too. I mean, um, just the way she gets into the science of it all. I mean, uh, I'm kind of a I'm kind of a science nerd in that aspect where you know, um, half the words she uses, I can't even pronounce, but you know, yeah, I know you got to break out the notepad on when she's on podcast. Yeah, but she does. I have to listen to her sometimes a couple of times to get everything she's talking about. Cause she just spits it out like a computer. Oh yeah. And, and like, if you ever see those, and when you see those words spelled out, you're just like, was that the same word? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, just, uh, I, I guess just to keep things moving here. Um, so the, the next one would be, uh, stretching prevents injury, which I just learned, I just got schooled on this, um, looking this up because I have always heard that stretching prevents injury and that, you know, you need to do static stretches before every workout. And, um, you know, and, and it's, I think it, I think it is true in, a few instances, but for the most part, it's actually false. Um, what I, and I mean, and if you have any, like, I'm sure this is kind of something that is, uh, has a lot of nuances to it, but, um, the main, like what I found is that the main thing that prevents injury is a good warm up, not stretching. So increase blood flow to your muscles and that'll protect you against injury. Um, but actually st static stretching, which means, you know, stretching stretches that you like uh, stretch and hold, like touching your toes, that kind of thing like that'll that actually can cause damage both during the stretch or during the exercise, because stretching can mask the pain that your muscle is feeling. So you might work out a little too hard, um, exactly. which I thought was interesting. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's, it definitely is. And what you're saying is in line with the latest science and research they have coming out. So Static stretching is good to increase range of motion over time, but if you're going to static stretch, you have to treat it the same way you would 
trying to build your muscles. It's not something you can just do once and then you're good. And as far as timing for it, when you static stretch before a workout, especially if you're doing like power movements or strength movements like plyometrics, when you're stretching your muscles, you activate the muscle proprioceptors, and those are kind of inhibit your muscles because it's lengthening your muscle. And when those get inhibited, you can't produce as much power. So that's why that's one of the main reasons they say not to static stretch before because it kind of like slows down the firing signal from your brain to your muscles. Your muscles can't fire as quickly. Um, but I do think static stretching is good. I just think it should be done. I like to do it after a workout when you're already warm. You can static stretch to when you're already warm and loose in your muscles. You can get into deep positions. And then also you can do it when you get out of a sauna. Basically get your body warm before you static stretch. Um, if I've had a few hard training days or I just feel kind of stiff or sore, another thing you can do is super cheap and it's it's up there with doing sauna because it gets your body hot, is to take a really hot salt bath with Epsom salt. So you basically get the water as hot as you can stand it. Put I usually put like four big handfuls of Epsom salt in there and just get in there for 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. When you get out, you feel real loose, relaxed, and then you can do your static stretching then before bed. Um, but definitely before right. a workout, getting the body temperature up and doing dynamic movement. So kind of like mobility work, like guys like Kelly Starrett and just movement guys, that's the kind of stuff you want to do before a workout. And you should also probably incorporate something that looks like whatever exercise you're going to do. So like if I'm warming up before jujitsu, I'm going to do like a lot of bridging and glute bridges. And then I kind of get into like a push-up position and do those jump throughs. I call them jump throughs or kick throughs where you're in a push-up position, you jump your foot up and kind of kick through and sit back. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so dynamic movement before your exercise is great. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's – and that's what I was seeing on there too. You know, they were giving examples of that. I'll try to link to some dynamic stretches that, you know, you can do, uh, some examples of that because I think that, you know, at what we were taught in like, you know, gym class was, you know, a lot of static stretches. We weren't really taught a lot of, you know, dynamic stretches. So – you know, um, maybe that'll definitely maybe that'll help. D dynamic is still stretching and loosening up your body, but you're, you're not doing those long holds. So basically static stretching, you're supposed to hold for like 30 seconds or more, 20 to 30 seconds. And w if you're doing that, then you're activating that, those muscle spindles and the muscle pride receptors. So if you are going to static stretch at all, I would do very short and do more dynamic stuff at the beginning. Cool. Um, so this brings me to the last myth, which is, I mean, it's incidentally my, my favorite one, just because um, this is something I've always heard that I've always wondered if, if it was true. And um, so, and I guess I should explain this, um, but it's called old man strength. And have you ever heard of this? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like, yep. so basically, you know, if, uh, if like a, uh, if you were watching a fight, or a you know potential fight between uh you know a younger guy and an older guy both about the same size that you would think that the older guy would probably uh win the fight based on this thing called old man strength which uh, you know I've I I you know even though like I'll just I'll just say it it's uh it was proven false by everything I read <laughs> but I still have a hope that it is true 
Um, <laughs> and, and maybe, and maybe in the fact that, uh, so I'll go into why it's false. So, so all the evidence points that, uh, age has an adverse effect on muscle size, which affects strength. Um, and basically the ability for an older person to maintain a forceful muscle contraction after a stressor. So, you know, an increased, uh, you know, increased blood pressure, uh, you know, basically the adrenaline pumping, you know, from the fight that's decreased compared to a younger person. Um, and also the hormones related to muscle function and strength like testosterone and growth hormone are decreased with age as well. So every thing that could be working in their favor is actually pointing to that, you know, they're, they're probably not gonna, not gonna fare well, but it's something that I think is kind of a unseen factor is the determination. You know, I think that the older that you get, the more mind control you have. And, um, maybe that accounts for the advantage or, Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm, I just, I, I like the idea of old man strength and I'm not ready to let it go. <laughs> yeah. You want to be able to hang with your kid when he's older, right? Right. <laughs> you right. Want to prolong that as much as possible until they can beat you in sports or beat you in something. I'm the same way. I got two boys. So, but yeah, I was going to bring up the same thing when you were saying that, that, uh, an older guy, the one advantage they might have is, is the mental aspect. Because if, if you're an older guy, you've probably seen some stuff and built up some mental resiliency. You know, you've, you've, overcome some things and you might be a little more confident in that aspect but as long as you haven't had too much of a gap in loss of your physical strength you know for sure yeah and um you know i i, I plan on uh i plan on that being the case with uh with me and my son i i, I have a three and a half year old and daniel has a uh he's um he's two right going on two Is that right? yeah i got a two-year-old two. and then i got a seven-year-old so got two of them running around Gotcha. So you got, you need to have double old, old man strength. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, cool, man. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's all really for, you know, like my portion of the thing. Um, basically, uh, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, cool. Yeah. I got a little away from the microphone there. Um, so, um, that's basically it for everything that, you know, like I want to talk about, um, as far as like the general health stuff, um, I'll kind of turn it over to you. Um, you know, if there's anything you want to add for the, um, you know, basically addressing personal trainers and, and uh, maybe even aspiring health professionals um, and just kind of let you run with it, man. Okay, sounds good. I would say um, without getting too heavy with like tips and information for personal trainers, if anybody is an aspiring personal trainer or interested in what we're doing at CPT Prep, the, probably the easiest thing to do is just Google CPT Prep and CPT just stands for Certified Personal Trainer. And then if you do that, our business page will pop up, our Google page, the link to our website and our Facebook page. And um, if you have any questions, you can message us on our Facebook page or send an email to us at info at cptprep.com. Um, we have a lot of good stuff there. I'm, I'm going to be putting more blogs out as well, but I've done a few blogs on some of the common things, like common questions that we get a lot because you know I'm dealing with hundreds of people sending information and dealing with our guides and asking questions. And a lot of people ask similar questions of struggles they have when they're studying. So I just did a blog on overactive and underactive muscles and ways to correct muscle imbalances found. So you can find things like that over there. Which by the way, let me just interject here. That was a really interesting, uh, 
a blog there, um, blog entry. It was, uh, it was very informative. Definitely go check that out if you're listening to this. Yep. I appreciate it. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff I want to put out. I don't want to just inundate people with like a post a day if it's not informative. So anything that we're putting over there is just, it's going to be helpful for narrowing down the information you need to pass the exams and just be a personal trainer. Um, so yeah, if you're interested, you can head over there. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up besides just preparing for the exam is once you're an actual person or personal trainer, and this might apply to people that are interested in going to a trainer as well, because a lot of people struggle to get the certification, but then once they have it, they might be a little nervous about actually being in a training environment and training people one-on-one. So one of the main things and probably the best tip that I can give is to shadow an experienced trainer or multiple trainers before you begin training other clients. So you can kind of see somebody that's been doing it a while, see the tempo, see how they deal with people. And uh, it'll just give you a good idea of what to expect if you do that. And then um, once you're actually training people, you just got to be almost that fake it till you make it. If you're a little nervous, that's normal. But just go in there confident. Uh, greet the people, you know, say, how are you doing? Uh, how are you feeling today? That's one thing that I uh, recommend doing, too, is checking in with them when they first come in for a training session. I used to always ask people how they were feeling, if they had any soreness, anything going on. And if you do that, somebody might say, oh, I didn't sleep well, or my back's a little stiff. And if somebody would say that, then maybe I would start with foam rolling their back, put them on the reverse hyper machine, maybe do some body weight squats, and then they're warmed up and ready to start working out. So there's tons right. of little things like that that you just pick up on. And it's just like common sense. And when you do that, the people are going to trust you more. They're like, oh, he's actually paying attention to what's going on and helping me out. So. Right, right. And uh, so I had a question um, about uh, you said that the, the best way to um, to go about it is to um, to shadow uh, a personal trainer um, just for I mean, people, including myself, you know, whenever like I, I've started to watch kind of YouTube videos to kind of just like, you know, uh, cheat a little bit on like kind of getting getting, you know, an idea of like what a what a really good personal training session would uh, would look like. I haven't gotten into the shadowing part. But what's the best way to actually go about? Um, is it like going into a gym and just asking the front desk, like you know, about shadowing a personal trainer, or is it like finding a personal trainer personally? Like what? Like how would you recommend going about that? I would say if you're in, if you're getting into the field and you don't have any experience training people yet, and and you want to train people on your own, that you should definitely start by going to a, a gym at first, just even if it's only for a few months, just go there and learn how the process works. So you could go to a local gym that's around you or a place you're interested in getting employed. And then there's definitely going to be experienced trainers there that you can ask the front desk or just build up rapport with the trainers and say, Hey, I want to um, come in on a couple of your sessions if you don't mind and, and just kind of see how things work. And you, you kind of just shadow, you can help load weights and stuff, but you, you don't really talk much. You just observe. So that's kind of how I did it. When I started training, I, uh, at the gym I worked at, there was a lot of experienced trainers, and I just went around with all of them for a few weeks before I started training on my own. Right on, man. No, that's uh, yeah, that's really useful information. I mean, um, so what? Just uh, just to kind of, I, I mean, I definitely have a lot of you know, like a few questions, but um, so what would be 
what's what's one of the the biggest um hurdles as far as like whenever you'd be whenever you have a new um like a new client uh what are, what's like a you know normally uh a landmine or maybe just something that's a little difficult that like you know you've noticed uh just in your practice and you know like what's you know what maybe some ways to to um I guess get around, you know, like or or uh, fix that landmine, if that makes any sense. I don't know if I'm making sense right now. <laughs> yeah, I kind of get what you're saying. Are you just saying like things to avoid or like well, think possible things that can prevent you from training somebody or no, I'm, or building rapport with them? You're right. I'm not making a lot of sense. So, um, basically, uh, you know, I I just see that you know you're working with somebody on a very personal level, and you know like. I, you know, I just, I, I see the potential for, you know, like, uh, s- people to get discouraged, you know? Um, and I didn't know if there was, you know, any, any times that maybe you've had a client that, you know, had some goals, but, you know, maybe fell off the wagon and like, you know, just kind of, you know, uh, got discouraged at some point and, you know, and maybe, you know, if you had yep. a way Are to you kind still of bring you them dropped back, out for a second. that kind of thing. Uh, looks like we lost Daniel for a minute. So this next episode, hopefully we'll have these technical. Okay, here he is. There you are. Yeah, yeah, Back yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, you just dropped out there for a second. Oh, you're good. I heard what you said. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, basically that happens a lot, um, especially when you're just training people that are, if they're coming to a personal trainer in the first place, they obviously need help in some area. Uh, they're looking to improve something and they're looking for your help and your expertise to do that. Um, one of the main things, and it, it sounds kind of cliche, but and I, I made this mistake at first. When I first started training people, they would ask me like a simple question and I would just blast them with like 10 minutes of information, whether it was about nutrition or exercise. And some people liked it, but most of the people would just kind of glaze over like it's too much information. I'm overwhelming them. They're just there to work out or they might have just had a simple question. So listening more than you talk, especially at the beginning, is crucial. You want to be engaged and you want to nod and show that you're paying attention. Maybe ask some leading questions, like questions that don't involve one-word answers, because then you can find out what makes them tick and you can find out their why. If you find out why they're trying to get in shape or why they're trying to achieve X goal, then you can keep that in front of mind for you and for them and keep their motivation up. Because our motivation and willpower kind of wax and wane. It comes and goes. Sometimes it's, it's higher and you're determined and you're going. And sometimes it's down. And when it gets down, you want to remind those people of the why and remind them why they're really there to keep them going. Push through the hard stuff. So, Cool. So, yeah, bring yeah. It, um, it. And, I mean, like, you know, that's, that's something that I always try. No matter what I'm doing, if I'm doing most of the talking in, you know, like a – you know, like a, any sort of relationship, even a business relationship, personal relationship, you know, I always try to check myself and be like, okay, well, you know, am I really getting the, you know, the full story here? Am I, you know, am I, um, am I listening and, and actively listening, you know? So, I mean, exactly. Yeah. That's a, it's, it sounds really simple, but it's so hard to do. Like I, I still struggle with it too. Um, but if you really can be there and they know you're actually listening to them, and they feel like you got their back and you understand where they're coming from and you put their yourself in their shoes, 
they're going to trust you so much and they're, that's going to motivate them even more because they're like, okay, they really get me. They understand me. They're trying to help me achieve this goal. So that's a really big, big thing. And it starts with the first time you see them. It starts with the initial consultation. You know, you just build that relationship from there and really listen to them. And then there's, there are a lot of little tips and stuff you can do to, to keep motivation. One thing I used to do was I would set weekly goals with people. So instead of like looking at a big macro goal, like trying to lose 20 pounds or prepare for a wedding in the summer, whatever it may be, you set little things along the way. And if you could get them to focus on the process more than the outcome, then they're going to be able to get there to where they actually start seeing results. Are you there? Daniel is MIA for a minute. I don't know what's up with this website. This uh, website is Zencaster that we're using right now. I'm going to put them on blast. There's Daniel. <laughs> yep, back again. Is it me that keeps dropping out? It's, when I'm looking at the thing, it looks like you're just, it's, we're losing connection or something. You know, I was just like, while, while you were dropped out, I was totally putting blame on the website. So, um, <laughs> Oh, gotcha. I don't know how much you guys heard of that then. I went on a little rant. Uh, well, you had said that there's little, like, you know, um, trying to, oh, the, the micro goals. You were talking about, like, the smaller goals. Yeah, so um, basically then, getting people to focus on the process instead of the outcome. So you can set, they, ha they might have a macro goal of, like, they're getting ready for a wedding or they want to lose 20 pounds or they want to put on muscle. Like, everybody has their goals, like, an outcome that they want. But getting them to embrace the process and focus on the effort and you can do that by setting smaller goals. Like I would set weekly goals for people. If somebody was trying to move more, walk more, I would say, you know, what, what is your goal going to be for this week? And they would say, I'm going to take my dogs or my kids around the neighborhood, you know, three times. I'm going to do it on Monday, Wednesday, Friday and go for a long walk. Just little things like that. And that keeps them motivated. Cool. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, like I think that, you know, I think, I think the big thing with like new personal trainers, I know that I, I've felt like this is that, um, you know, and actually that group, uh, we're, you know, we're both part of a Facebook group that, um, it's kind of a nationwide, uh, you know, um, group that's made for personal trainers. I think it's also for group fitness instructors. It's really awesome. Um, it's, uh, it's got a few thousand people in it. Um, I can't remember the exact name of it. I'll put it, I'll post that in the, in the notes as well. But, um, stuff like that is just really cool because you feel like when you're doing this self-guided study that you're, that you're just kind of alone, you know, you don't really have a lot of, you know, whenever you're in a college course, you have all of your, all of your, um, you know, classmates there to kind of ask questions. You, know, you have the instructor to ask questions to, but doing this kind of stuff, you know, you just really don't have a lot of resources. And I mean, you know, your uh, Daniel's study guide is, I mean, realistically, I mean, it's, it's one of the best ways to kind of, condense all of it in a in a way that's really easy to understand but you still don't really have that like you know that interaction so um you know it's 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 nice to kind of get you know if you, I, i'm kind of going off on a tangent here but you know if you if you if you have that if you have a, a support system at all um it, it'll make this whole process of of you know entering into the health world a lot easier and um I don't know. Have you found any ways to kind of like connect with uh, lo local, uh, other, like anyone else in the, in your local area that like is doing the same thing? Is it just going to the gym and, um, yeah. So 
I think that the online presence, like you said, with the Facebook groups is crucial. It's a community, you know, people like to be in communities. You can bounce your ideas off of other people. And plus with, especially with those specific Facebook groups, there's, there's a ton of them, by the way, there's the one that you are, you and I are in for ACE and the group fitness, but there's several other ones that I'm in for the other certifications. There's like three different ones for NASM. There's one for the CSCS. There's a couple for ACSM. So you can find those groups and each of them have, you know, anywhere from two to 5,000 people in there that have either passed the test or they're preparing to pass the test. You can ask questions and people will answer and send links and resources. And then also just uh, practicing the information you learn on your friends and family is super helpful as well. Watching YouTube videos, Google, and then especially for like assessments, going through and practicing that stuff is uh, going to be really helpful for you. But I think the best is like in person, especially once you are certified, is, is going to a, a local gym and meeting people in person and getting used to training people in person is the best way to go. Because there's a lot of things that you see when you actually see people start to struggle. A lot of people will hold their breath. So you got to remind people to breathe. Like there's little things you don't really think about or not in the textbook that you kind of have to get used to when you start training people. Textbook. There he is again. Oh. You dropped out a minute, man. Oh, <laughs> I keep dropping out on my rants. I don't know where. Oh, where it's it all good, man. No. Um, so you were saying, I, I honestly, I, you were saying YouTube videos, the best way to do it is uh, going to a gym and in person, getting used to talking to people. And I think you cut out right about then. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty much what I, I can in there. I, w- I was pretty much just saying, get used to training people in person. Cause there's a lot of things that you'll see. Like when somebody's starting to struggle at the end of a set, some people will hold a breath. A lot of people do actually. So like reminding people to breathe, you know, if somebody's doing like a bench press and they start to struggle. You can when they have it pushed up on the eccentric portion, which is lowering it down, you can say nice deep breath and then big push up. Okay, we got two more. You can kind of coach them through the end and find the cues and things to remind people. I would always tell people to breathe a lot in between exercises as well. Just take big deep breaths, get your heart rate down to get ready for the next, you know, bout of work. So. Cool, man. All right. Well, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we we could keep going for another hour probably talking about like just different stuff, but we are coming up on an hour here. Um, so, I mean, if, uh, like, is there anything, like, is there any message that you just like, I mean, if, if people are listening to this, since this is the first episode of this podcast, um, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people listening to this that might have aspirations to do something with health, you know, maybe not go all the way to becoming, you know, a physician, but just being involved in some way, what, what's, what are some ways, you know, of course, you know, there's getting certified as a personal trainer and stuff, but like, what are some things that people can do right now to maybe get involved in the health community? I think the best way to go about it is Tim Ferriss calls it scratching your own itch is finding something that you're already curious about and interested in, and then really going deep and pursuing that. Um, Sometimes people call it like a niche or niche market. So if you're going to be a personal trainer, for example, you could specifically target uh, pregnancy, pre and postpartum. So moms trying to get their body back from their pre-baby, you know, back to their pre-baby shape. And you can help them along through the pregnancy as well, like through the whole process. Um, also nutrition. Um, I don't know how many people actually do this, but if somebody actually went through the, all of the schooling to become a dietitian, to where they could actually meal plan, and then they also had the personal training side of it, they could almost be like a one-stop shop for somebody. Um, 
you know, as far as training and the nutrition side of things. But I would say just to, to keep it simple, if, if anybody is interested, try to provide, think of providing value for people and think of what people would really want. And it's easy to do that when you start with yourself, like find out something that you might need help with or you're interested in. And if you kind of pursue that and go down that, start doing research and sharing what you find, then that can help people and kind of get your foot in the door. Cool, man. Dude, I appreciate you coming on here so much. Um, hopefully, hopefully you'll be back in the future. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think that all of this is, is just super cool. I'm still kind of just in awe of like, you know, um, the possibilities here, you know, like the more I learn about like, you know, like watching or listening to shows like the model health show or found my fitness, you know, the Rhonda Patrick show, or, you know, even like, you know, even like the Joe Rogan experience where he has those health professionals on, it's just super cool to see the movement that's going on right now with health. And, um, you know, I'm just excited to be a part of it. Um, you know, I know, I know your passion. I know that you're excited to be, you know, where you're at. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm constantly, whenever I see, you know, your, your involvement in that, you know, the Facebook group that we're a part of, you know, I'm just, I, I think that's super cool that like, you know, you, you reach out and you help so many people achieve the, the goals that they have. And, um, so, um, yeah, no worries, so yeah. man. I, I really appreciate you having me on this first one and you're obviously doing something right already. You already got a shout out from Sean Stevenson, the model health show. So you've been putting out some good stuff already on your page, <laughs> man. That's really cool. And uh, yeah, that, yeah, this was great, man. I feel like we had a good conversation and hopefully people can take some things that we talked about and do their research and, you know, spark something that they're interested in. So cool. Well, um, yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm going to do, I think, another episode uh, a week from a day. Um, my next guest, uh, she's awesome. She's been a friend for a while. Her name is Shana Hamilton. Uh, she's a health and fitness coach, coach and uh, she's the owner of Burrow Fit Meals which is based out of Murfreesboro and uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And uh, she's been a certified personal trainer for over five years, and she has about 200 clients under her belt. Um, this Burrow Fit Meals thing that she owns is pretty cool. It's a, it's a convenient meal prep option um, that tastes good, and it's fresh. It's uh, made the same day you go to pick it up. So I'll, I'll post her information in the notes as well, and uh, I look forward to talking with her. Uh, again, thank you, Daniel, and um, yeah, thank you for listening. Yeah, no worries, man. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to hearing the next one. Cool, man. All right. Well, that, that wraps it up. We did it. <laughs> we did it, man. Take care. All right. You too, man.